The Knees Up Mother Brown podcast is sponsored by Bombetta, which is a lovely little Italian restaurant right next to Snaresbrook Station. Get down there before the match or after the match. It's no Ken's Cafe, but I think you'll like it. It's meat, it's cheese, it's wine, it's got a lot. You can book online at www.bombettalondon.com. Hello, welcome to News of Mother Brown, West Ham podcast, it's series five, it's episode 12, I'm Chris Skoll, joining me in the studio is Bianca Westwood. Hi, I'm back. And we have an extra special guest this week. We certainly do. The UK's most famous builder and Hackney's own, and sorry, <laughs> West Ham's own, Tommy Walsh. How are you and welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. Um, getting myself prepared for the... Uh, for the Christmas season, so yeah. many parties lined up. <laughs> I'm going to be wrecked come January <laughs> if I make it that long. You know. I like it. <laughs> well, there's so many, there's so much of your building expertise we could look to. You know, get get some information out of you. You know, the stadium, knocking down the old one, building the new one. Also, like you mentioned a few seconds ago, building a new defence. How yeah. do we do that? Mm. Well, I think we've we haven't got a lot of choice at the moment. The way we stand, we've got to bring in some new players and. Uh, and that's going to be crucial if we are going to get safe uh, for this year and mm. try and build for, for next year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think it's crucial that um, we don't make the mistake of letting the uh, January window go by without actually buying some good quality players. Mm. Yeah. We need to build a brick wall, don't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I could, I could go down here. I could build de- <laughs> I could build defence for you. you <laughs> Sorry about it. Very no, 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 no. I, I hope we make that joke several more times over the course of this podcast. Um, so we'll talk about all the recent games we've, we've, um, we've missed since we last spoke to you, but let's begin with a bit of feedback. Um uh, we had 1860 once more said on the forum as always a great listen relegation watch unfortunately looks like it's here for the foreseeable future I bet the mood on the next cos- podcast will be funeral but uh, well you know as we saw yesterday you got a point mm. against Liverpool Anfield a very mm-hmm. good point um, we also had Iron by Fatherhood is it me or are we having to wait longer and longer this season for new podcasts I realise it might be a money earner for KMB Skull Westwood but over time it has become one of the main reasons I come back to the site and Jersey Hammer said I can imagine it being a complete nightmare getting guests to fix the fix the time I'm surprised there's any consistency at all but like FM God said quality over quantity all day and Tommy you very much are oh, quality we have got some oh, quality today right. yeah exactly so, yeah, so. I hope I don't disappoint well it's all on your shoulders <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. pressure's on that's not the first time I've carried on weight yeah. on my shoulders <laughs> I'm going to love these building jokes yeah, yeah, exactly. all night long um so more on the hunt for Christian Daly. We had an email, and I didn't actually say who sent this email, but um, thank you for whoever you did, whoever did. He said that he saw Christian the other week watching his son's school football game for Anglo-European school under-13s. His son is already very tall and very two-footed, decent player. Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to speak to the great man, but there is a lead for you. Go watch a bunch of school football. Or in other thoughts, don't unless you've got a very valid reason. But um, thank you. Thank you for whoever sent that email. But the other player hunt we're in the middle of is Danny Williamson. Right. And, uh, Why? <laughs> did you miss that episode? Yeah, I missed that one. So this is one. news Sorry. to you. <laughs> yeah, this is news to me, guys. So we're after Danny Williamson. We had uh, an email. And again, I haven't said who this one is from. But um, Do you want to read it out, Bianca? Uh, okay, no idea where he is, but the whatever happened to Danny Williamson question was a regular question running gag in the early days of the KUMB forum. It got asked so much that it sort of become a recognised way of ending a thread on any other subject, <laughs> along with, was it part of the Carrick deal? I would get out more, but there's an injunction on my going within 300 miles of Mike Dean with a sharp object. I've just remembered that was Gnome on the KUMB forum. Was who, it? Yeah, who, uh, yeah with the cracking lead on Danny Williamson there. Um, and also had a couple of things on Twitter. Lee Perrier used to see Williamson a lot in the mid-2000s, boozing in bars in Romford. Last I heard, he had started his own sports magazine. And then James Redding, possible new feature alongside uh, Christian Daly. Uh, what the hell happened to Danny Williamson? I read he was at Ardley Green Uni. And lastly, West Ham TV contacted me so that Danny Williamson is their cousin and they could probably track him down. So lots of hot leads. Well, I think that's the hottest lead That's the hottest got. lead by far. The fam. Yeah, exactly. 
Any me- any Danny Williamson memories? We're talking uh, mid nineties. No, <laughs> absolutely none. I don't either. Yeah, actually. No, yeah. such, no. A, such an outstanding player. I can't think of any particularly <laughs> great move to be quite honest. <laughs> well, if you know the whereabouts of Danny Williamson, here's how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the show. Email podcast at kumb.com. Get on the forum at kumb.com or follow. Your hosts, your lovely hosts on Twitter, beautiful people, lovely, one of your own. Bianca is at B double E Westwood. Chris is at CJ Skull, and that's with a C, not a K, a C, because he's special. <laughs> Come on, you irons. Amazing. Right, let's talk about uh, recent games. Let's begin with yesterday, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool 2, West Ham 2. Mm. Did you see us getting anything out of that game? Well, when we opened uh, opened up in the beginning, I, I started to fear. I thought, oh, we were a goal down within five minutes. And I thought, and me and my son were sitting there watching it. And oh, it was so aggravating. I thought, oh, we're giving, it, we're giving it away. And we're going to, this is a bit ominous that early. I thought we could have a repeat of the week before. I don't want to mention it really again. <laughs> so painful I was at that game. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I could see this. And my son was really worried. He thought we were going to get flattened really at uh, Liverpool he said they're going to turn it on I said well I don't know so much you know that's what everyone expects us to do and we don't always do what we're what people expect of us you know um, there was always a time whenever we played a top class team it was always sort of 50-50 whether we'd turn up and play really well and knock them for six or whether we'd, we'd mm. fold and collapse and get knocked for six ourselves um, but I think when we started to play we we were a bit too deep at first, um, but when we did get the ball, there were little flashes of us starting to play. And uh, of course, when the opportunities came, I thought, I'm a goalkeeper, and I thought um, that their keeper was probably slightly at fault for both goals. Mm. Payet's free kick was a, was, a, was a good free kick. And because the ball was going away from him at pace with that spin, the keeper got a hand to him, it just went in. You know, mm. he, he was a bit slow mm. off his mark. He should have gone over there quicker. Uh, he hesitated a little bit at the beginning and then he didn't get enough of a leap. So that was uh, Payet's goal. Mm. And I thought the other one, Antonio's goal, I mean, he doesn't score often with his with his foot, so with his feet. So um, I just thought that the keeper could have done a bit better than he did. But yeah. it wasn't his fault. The initial problem was done by the defender it was terrible yeah. defending yeah. and uh, and we took both opportunities to be 2-1 up we were jumping around in my house we've got a great big 80 inch screen on here in, the, <laughs> in this uh, we're like a kitchen dining area where the, the beer fridge is and where oh, oh, we're we coming round Tommy oh, what, it is a nut for watching football I've got to tell you that and of course we have lots of nuts there as well <laughs> it's, um, it's great lots of people come around and we have great fun watching we were jumping around he was going my son was screaming and I thought, oh, this is interesting. Let's see how they're going to react. Um, and then when they came out the second half, they scored within five oh, minutes no. again. I went, and you've got to say, it was a bit unfortunate, the keeper. You know, um, yeah, he was really good. I watched the interview after the game. Yeah, he was. Um, but it was a bit of a difficult ball because I said he should have caught it. And when I watched, he did try to catch it, actually. But it was a bit of a difficult ball to get to. He should never have been allowed to come across, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> that should have been stopped. There was enough time the defender got turned inside out, which he shouldn't have done. Um, and it was done by, um, who was the, the left midfielder for um, for Liverpool? Well, who uh, crossed it? Yeah. Marno, wasn't it? Oh, was it, it Marno? Marno? I thought yeah. it was, no, I thought it was um, Milner. I thought mm. it was him because he's not the best. Yeah. crossing the ball and we should have closed him down he ain't the quickest mm. but then of course he redeemed himself with that fantastic save it yep. was one of the best saves of the season and it reminded me very much of me <laughs> <laughs> you mock and laugh <laughs> Harry really? wanted to sign me up last year really? Man, really? Yeah, I played uh, we played in the big uh, game charity game over at Leighton Orient for prostate cancer and um the Orient Championship winning side, yeah. well, they're all still professional footballers playing, but not together. So they came for this game. And then we got a scratch team up, um, a couple of old West Ham uh, players as well. Um, and I played in goal, and Harry was the manager. And um, oh, the lunatic was the assistant manager. Um, Brand. 
Oh, right. Oh, he's right. the lunatic. Yeah. So he was just the manager. We're very funny. And then, of course, in the first half, at one point, I only had one defender. And we was 3-0 uh, down at half-time. And I had to go off with a broken hand. I played all the game, all the first half with a broken hand. Oh, God. And... Uh, like Bert Troutman all over. Losing 3-0, yeah. yeah. And I was man of the match. Wow. Uh, and Harry Redknapp said, I've never seen anyone performing goal like that. It was one of them days when everything went right. And unfortunately, Probably, no one yeah. filmed it, I don't think. So, <laughs> really. so I've only got your words to go. Yeah. I've only got my Well, anyone who actually went there. I'll ask Harry about, next time I see him. There was about 3,000 people over at this game, so it was uh, well attended. And uh, a lot of people said it was the best charity game they've ever been. It was a real good game, one of them games. Mm. And it was one of them ones where I couldn't do anything wrong. So, yeah, so Harry said if he had a team, although he hasn't got a team, if he had a team, he'd sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, to see that. You know, Randolph, he's, he's not as big as you. Like, did you. Could you show that agility back in your playing days? Would you be tapping that over the bar like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Incredible yeah. scenes. Top corners are favourites for me. I was always... Uh, it's about the spring, you know, when you're playing a goal. I have a lot of... Um, I watch goalkeepers all the time and they play and they come off their line far too much now because that ball moves so much mm. uh, they're so much lighter now and they mm. put so much movement on the ball the way they play these players what you really need to do is increase the distance between the striker of the ball mm. and your goal so quite often these goalkeepers come out and the ball's past them before mm. they can very ever intercept it. Whereas sometimes, if especially if the player's being pushed wide, the goalkeeper should hold the line and then they'll either fumble the shot because he hasn't committed or at least if they get a shot off, he's got a little split second longer to get to it because he's got to travel that much distance. Mm. And we were always taught um, to catch the ball, never punch it. Uh, only mm. in extreme situations. The guy who trained me was Orient's first team keeper, Steve Bedell, uh, years ago. And um, and Orient asked me to sign. I was not given an opportunity to sign for a flat in Orient, but um, I was about 15, 16, and I was already into wine, women, and songs. So <laughs> Too late. that was far more interesting yeah. for me yeah. than running around Hackney Marshes or over uh, Leighton Orient kicking a you know a wet lump of leather around a football pitch yeah, yeah. Um, and there weren't there weren't you know it wasn't that was going back in a time when football was in a bit in the doldrums you know yeah yeah um back back on randolph bianca like yeah. he he was gutted wasn't he he was devastated i really felt for him but mm. i think he was a bit too hard on himself but i think because of the precarious nature of being the goalkeeper for West Ham at the moment, one slip up <laughs> and you could be out. Yeah. And then Adrian's back or, yeah. you know, and then Adrian cocks up and then Randolph's back. Mm. And I think because he'd sort of finally got his chance and also because of the, the error he made against Tottenham, um, I think he probably just was that little bit too hard on himself. But I think, ironically, he tried to, to catch it. I think if he'd have tried, tipped it... Mm over the bar or behind him or who was some... picking up no one was picking up the wide player anyway um, so if it, if he had flicked it mm. people weren't taking notice it would have gone straight to Lalana, I think it was who was mm. on his own uh, within the, the, um, oh, right. the job box just yeah, over yeah. and it would have gone to him a flick so the only way he could have done it really was to flick it over the yeah. bar which would have gone against the way he was actually he just didn't seem to move quick enough did he to, to get to it I think he was shocked that the ball came out yeah, yeah I think he was and as well was, uh, and it was a, a bit higher than he thought it he was wasn't quite he just misjudged it. it a bit yeah yeah do you prefer Adrian to uh, Randolph? Who's your favourite out of those two? I think it would be unfair of me to pick a favourite. I think they're both very good keepers. Mm. And I'm very happy with having them as number one and number two in either order. It doesn't really matter. Mm. I think um, with them two goalkeepers, they've got to realise that they're both good quality keepers. And whoever's in form at the moment or at the time is the one I would put in the team. Yeah. Mm. But you've got to remember, defenders in particular like to have a regular a regular yeah. keeper behind him because he sees everything that goes on. He should be running the back four, okay? So he should be commanding him because he can see what's coming and what's going to happen. Mm. That's what we used to always do. The goalkeeper ran the back four. You try to have that keeper in on a regular basis because the, the players yeah. get used to him. When he calls for it, he's going to come. You've mm. got to listen, get out of the way, especially when I used to be in goal because <laughs> I'd flatten most of my own players <laughs> as well as the other. <laughs> but it was, um, it's all about... I think communication and I think yeah. when you bring a new keeper in he might not be so quick to shout and call for the ball and command the back four it might be mm. a little bit 
less likely to do it. So, yeah. you know, it, it's got to be purely on form, I think. I get a sense, and I don't know if this is actually the case, but I get a sense that our defenders are more comfortable with Randolph. I feel like that. He, I'm certainly more comfortable with Randolph. I don't worry. Like, Adrian is always a bit... He can do something a bit crazy and, like, leap out of yeah. the air. Yeah, well, Grublar yeah. used to be like that, but Grublar mm. was the best... One of the best goalkeepers that we've ever produced. I know he's South African, but... When it comes to, if you want an example of goalkeeping genius, is to watch him take a ball in the air within the 18-yard box. He would come out, obviously come out too far sometimes, mm. but he was very flamboyant. And he'd come out and he'd take a ball and he'd always catch it. Mm. And oh, people, a lot of goalkeepers today, I watch them and they start to go, then they stop, they're in no man's land. If you're going to go, you've got to go. If you're going to yeah. stay, you've got to stay. If you stay, you're going to be a victim. But, you know, you've, it's all about confidence, goalkeeping in particular. Yeah. And uh, and I think uh, I think they've both got confidence. We'll see how he gets over it, Randolph, this time because he was yeah. devastated, Jesse. These but, few days are important. I think Slavin needs to sort of look at him and as, yes. uh, and judge whether he sort of can can he's bounce got a, back and also, straight away. And Slavin's got to raise yeah. uh, the lad's confidence. You know, yeah, absolutely. he's got to take do spend some time with him, do some extra training and coaching. You know, and just. Mm. Build, so, and the others and his defence have got to be behind him they've mm. got to support him you know and say well it was just one of those things you made up for that very much so with yeah. that save it was top yeah. draw yeah, it well, was. well let's not forget the week before West Ham 1 Arsenal 5 shipping five goals at home uh, Randolph there I mean it's not going to do world uh, world of good for his confidence but Tommy what, you were at that game right um, yeah. what did you think <laughs> did you stick uh, around did you leave it 3-0 like I did uh, no I left with five minutes to go because I never normally leave uh, earlier and I'm a great believer in bit, but I just couldn't stand the uh, the barracking we were getting from the <laughs> Arsenal yeah. fans you know yeah. and it was uh, and it was sad um, the only one redeeming thing for the whole game was that Carroll came on yeah. and uh, and made a difference because he scored the goal obviously it came back off the bar and I was pleased that he was sharp enough to be able to react and put it in but another great free kick by Pyatt wasn't mm. it so uh, yeah that was the only redeeming thing for our performance really but in, in little patches we played well and we just then seemed to, to give up yeah I thought, we yeah. Were, I thought we were okay for, for 70 minutes it was just that goal just completely killed gonna, us if you're going to sit with Arsenal, if you're going to sit on your goalkeeper on the 18-yard box against Arsenal, they're going to pick a way through you. Yeah. They're that good and quick on the floor. They're just going to be one touching through you and you're either going to give them a penalty, right, or else they're going to walk the ball into the goal and that's mm. how it's going to be. Mm. They're that confident now that um, and West Ham's confidence is so low that, you know, there's no way you can really balance the two teams up. Mm. They've got to get self-belief back and then once you do that... Then you've got a chance, you know. You need to get your players fit, change your tactics a little bit, maybe. And yeah. uh, we created a couple of chances, didn't we? But we just didn't have anyone on the end of them, and I, we didn't look like scoring at all until Carroll came on. I just mm. felt like he came on that little bit too late. Yes, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I feel he came on a little bit earlier. Mm. He was warming up a little bit earlier before yeah. they scored, and that, but then it was, uh, and then, then they see the stadium emptying. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was like the blood running through veins, disappearing, <laughs> you know. But that's what was so good about Liverpool. We were so different. We were a lot more determined, you know, a lot more organised. They they fought for it a bit more. I think I think they knew that Slaven was starting to get under pressure. I know the chairman had come out and said they supported him and stuff, but when all the media is talking about the manager and him being under pressure and he could lose mm. his job and they're talking about Benitez coming in and all of this no. it, it creates it it does create a, a shitstorm and mm. I think that the players knew they had to turn up because if well, not yeah. it would have just got a, a million times worse and I think um, I think Billich is a good manager oh I think so we, do I I, we I need love to him to give death. him some more time yep. he loves West Ham yep. I mean when he was at West Ham uh, and they sold him to Everton he didn't leave till the end of the season make sure they were okay Okay, that's what I've been told anyway. Mm. Back yeah, in the he did. Day. Le- he did leave at the end of the season. Yeah. That was the season we signed Hartson and Kitson because I, I, I interviewed Billich actually on um, Thursday, and I said to him about that. I said, you know, your last season, February '97, we were in trouble. Signed Hartson and Kitson, changed everything around. So you know that even when you, you look like you're on your way out, you know you can turn it around. I said, so can you? Sort of impress that upon the players, or can you just go out and buy Hearts and Kitson? What are the what are the chances? And he he wasn't that sort of 
positive about bringing loads of players in. So I wouldn't expect that many. Um, well, you don't need that many. You just need... No, you just need the right you ones. You just need the right ones. You, yeah. you, if they could find uh, three... Yeah, three, that'd be great. They could find three three good players, real good players. But then if Carroll could stay fit for the end of the season, he's yeah, well, like a new... So he's like a new signing every flipping yeah. season, isn't he? Yeah. When, when he when he starts playing, I think that the quality of our signings with strikers has just been so bad. We're relying on Carroll yeah. and Sacco really, and like they're injured all the time. Like yeah. Sacco came back, scored one all against um, you know United at Old Trafford. He's out again. Carroll, you just can't rely. Well, on I said him. that to to Slavin as well. I said, you know, with all due respect, the signings have not been good mm. enough. Zaza, for instance, oh, you know, man. bless him. You know, he tries a different pace the game over it to what he's used to. Mm. It took him time to get into it, but. He can't buy a goal, can he? It just doesn't no. seem to work for him, you no. know. Even even the simple opportunities, for some reason, the, the ball snags or it bounces wrong, and it just and once they I look think, like rabbits it, in headlights. Mm. Yeah, and when, if you're a striker and you run on a dry patch, it's worse than being a goalkeeper having a bad time. Mm. I think. Um, you yeah, know, it really. But is he difficult. should be used to pressure playing for Italy. Yeah. You know, they're not exactly He's a top scorer out there. But yeah. over here, well, do you remember I, the pre-season friendly when he was playing for Juventus against us, and he, he banged in a couple. One, I watched it the other highlights of the day. He, yeah, he took it around three it. players and banged it in like twenty yards. He can't imagine him doing it. Well, Billich is adamant that the, the, the players that they've brought in are good enough. So mm. I don't know. He just says it's about time they started showing some form and he's right. But I love Slavin and I, and I really, really hope that they turn it around. I think the, one of the real problems with West Ham this season, with the team, we've got two very outstanding players mm. with Payet and Lanzini. OK, we've got some good players as well, Vantonio, Cresswell, um, Kyoto, and others, you know. Mm. Um, but the only, what's happening... Last year, they were a revelation. And, of course, none of the other teams really knew how they were going to play because it was their first season. And West Ham, even the West Ham players didn't know, but they were all very uh, proactive. Uh, A lot of the West Ham players, they were all moving so the ball could fly around and we were getting behind. I mean, we scored four goals at Liverpool last year, you know? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, what's happening with, with the West Ham team? The confidence is a bit low and they're becoming reactive rather than proactive. So instead of watching and reading the game and being ahead of where the ball should go, they're not. They're reacting. So they're getting second to the ball. Yeah. You know, and that's where the problem is. And then straight away we start backing up, backing up. Yeah. And then we're sitting on top of the goal. We're on the 18-yard box and then they pick us off. Mm. And then it looks like they're not putting in the effort because they're not mm. going to the ball. They're waiting for the ball to come to that's them. That's right. Or they're missing the ball, the space where they should yeah. be going in order to get the ball. Mm. You know, that's the real problem. So I, yeah. I think we have to. But it doesn't help when you bit. haven't got players to target. And I think that's been, a, you mm. know, um, and against Arsenal, you're missing Kiate, Sacco, Antonio, Cresswell. You take four of the best players out of any team and they're going to struggle. Yeah. If you'd have taken four of. Arsenal's best players out of that team it wouldn't have been 5-1 what's happened to that young that young kid who was playing uh, at the beginning of the last season for West Ham Oxford yeah he's injured is he yeah see that's another problem when I going back a few years ago um, I had to go over to West Ham to have some treatment because they needed me to play in this big game and uh, I went over to Chabaleef where the training ground is and um, there was an issue West Ham had far more injuries Mm. per head than any other uh, team within the Premiership, right? And it was, why was that? So there must be, maybe, I said, have a look at the training facilities. Maybe there's something wrong with the ground that you're playing on. It's too hard or too soft that it's causing players to get more injuries because lots of them are getting injuries, injuries at training rather than during yeah. the game. But they've and moved now. I know, yeah. they've moved out so to Romford, don't they? Romford, is Bush it? Green, yeah. yeah. So it's... It, it can't be this unless the surface is just just as bad. But well, I just thought it was something worth looking at because it didn't quite it didn't seem you know reasonable that mm. the, they would get more injuries mm. on their ground 
if their if their routines, yeah. training routines are the same. You've got to look at everything, you know. Yeah. Do you think? It, do you think it's the? Could it be that it's the training ground is built on an ancient Indian burial ground <laughs> using your building expertise? <laughs> do you think it's an like ancient curse? <laughs> I'll just go why? over them. Be a foot and the stadium as well. <laughs> I'll get one of those divining sticks <laughs> and put a, through a ball or something, and I'll walk around and see if we can find. Why don't we get Yuri Geller over there to yeah. kind of like? Yeah. I mean, we've well, got, we've got, got, to try we've got Yuri Geller, haven't we? We've got Pyatt now. Can bend the ball like this at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on about bend it like Beckham bend it like yeah. Pyatt that's what we've got to do now uh, well Tommy let's talk about your history supporting West Ham okay. obviously we've moved the new stadium you were saying a minute ago that you've been involved with that stadium from almost the very beginning of its life yeah well, before uh, it was even constructed over for the Olympics um, I was involved in on the health and safety aspect really um, and it was amazing because uh, very few people got injured uh, hardly any seriously over over Bodes well for the West Ham. Pardon? Bodes well for West Ham. Then, well, I mean, hopefully it's going to continue <laughs> in that vein. But it was um, when I was first over there. There was the other tier was on, and I remember looking down from the top tier, the second tier, and I I said to this guy from Langs who told me it was going to be a football stadium. I said, really? I said, then you're going to have to give um, all the people up here who are watching a set of binoculars. I said, because I can't see what's written on the back of that guy's shirt down there who's watering the grass in the middle. So I would never, wouldn't be able to see the numbers. And who, how would I know who was playing? So he, he took umbrage because there was a lot of people there. And uh, obviously I was supposed to be a bit more supportive, but I just told it as it is. So, but, but it was designed purely as an athletic stadium. It was never, never designed to be a football or even a multi-use stadium and that's where the problem lay and the reason for that is we wouldn't have won the Olympic bid if we hadn't had a dedicated athletic stadium and that was that was the reason and then of course they thought they could probably convert it easily but it, it didn't convert so easily and and I think the solution now even now there's such a wide apron all the way around the pitch that the, the players might feel slightly isolated from the home players from mm. the crowd and ideal for the away players you know the the opposition because they're far away enough from the crowd not to be intimidated by them mm. so I think really what we need to do is to you know dig out the centre of that stadium about another 40 or 50 foot and then continue the rake the natural rake of the seating within the stadium and maybe the last uh, 10 or 15 foot if they need that for a flex stadium have those all en- carefully engineered that they all come back automatically by pressing a button and go underneath the tier of chairs above and that way you could then keep the, uh, your obligation to um, to the Olympic Committee or whatever it is and of course then we'd get a better football stadium it would be more we'd be right up to the almost to the pitch just a small apron as we normally would have around a football mm. pitch and then that would resolve the issue and it's it's not insurmountable for a, such a big outlay such a big uh, I mean 200 million conversion and mm. uh, why didn't anybody dig it out to the right depth yeah how much do you think something like that would cost <laughs> now you're putting you're me asking. on the spot <laughs> I got asked last week how much it was going to cost to build Donald Trump's wall across Mexico <laughs> <laughs> as it happens can we have a full breakdown it's come, yeah. out, it's come yeah. out that about eight and a half billion that is Really? Wow. Mm, yeah, yeah. How high? Six foot? Seven? No, no, because it has to be higher than that, because really? they've just put a ladder over oh, it. Of course it they yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was about a 40 odd foot. Oh, really? Part concrete, part fence, yeah. But anyway, that's another <laughs> issue. I'm still working on the estimate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and of course I've got to have two nominations behind me before he'll even look at it you know. but uh, I think I suppose if it costs 200 million to convert it I suppose you'd be looking at um, I don't know what would you be looking at 10 million now yeah I suppose something like that but Maybe we could afford more. that well apparently well, we you'll would... get the benefit in the long term but yeah. we've gone for the cheapest option haven't we of this lower tier seat now, I don't know if you had a look around the stadium but what's your kind of professional eye on, on the job that's been done on that lower bowl <laughs> not the best and also I was down there uh, with my son's friend who's got tickets and everybody stands because the view when they're sitting is not good enough Yeah. so they all stand up so that has to because the rake is too shallow Yeah. so that has to be addressed you see and that's the problem they've gone for a shallow rake uh, instead of going for a steeper rake because yeah. they would have had to dig it out more you know there may be issues that they can't dig out because of the drains and that but that nothing's insurmountable and the water level outside and the local rivers and that is 
oh, loads and loads, I don't know what it must be, 50, 60, 70 foot lower, you know, than, yeah. than we're talking about than the pitch level. So it should be, I mean, with the engineers and contractors that we have today, it shouldn't mm. be, you know, beyond the realms of science. And to, how long would that take? Could you do that in a closed season? You could do it in a closed season, but it might mean you have to share uh, a ground for a for a season or a half a season. Yeah. If it was well-timed and well-orchestrated and well-managed, I, I, I don't see... And, you know, you had all the seating pre-made before. Yeah. I don't see why it couldn't be done. Because isn't there a World Championships in, like, 2017 or something? Yeah, I think that, yeah that's right. So maybe after that. Mm. Yeah. But I think... It, I think we're also, we've got to be, be careful because we might be blaming the pitch f- too much and the ground too much f- rather than the performance of the players. Yeah. yeah. You know, it can be sometimes... But you do want a, an optimum experience for your fans though, don't you? I'm not saying it's not. I actually, where, where we sat, Chris, to mm. watch the Arsenal game, I actually thought that was um, great and it was quite loud, noisy initially, obviously, until, you know... The game it, kicked it, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the atmosphere was good. The first game of the season, uh, I was over there for that and the atmosphere was fantastic. Yeah. We won 1-0. Everyone went home happy. You know, it was great. The yeah. sun was shining, everyone was singing and the atmosphere was terrific. Mm. I think the problem is now is why it's become a bit divisive is because we're not playing well. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. reason, that's the problem. You know. but, but I, I think mean, it he, could be better though couldn't it yeah the, the but it's easy to forget fans. as Tommy says like when we beat Chelsea in the League Cup on, on that, under the floodlights that was one of the best games the last my few son years was there. I never saw that one. Yeah. my son over there and he said that was one of the best games he's ever been to West Ham to see yeah. so the performance was terrific the atmosphere was, was fantastic yeah. so it was a great game yeah yeah it was as good as anything at Alberton Park. Yeah. Definitely yeah. on the same. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think there is a massive problem with the atmosphere. It just would be nicer if yeah. we could be just that little bit closer for everybody, for the players, you know, for us, for for Slaven. Yeah, I think standing a million miles do. away in that technical. He he's poor, call, he he's should, poor hips. He's he's he hobbling call along. My son in. My son's a good player. Six foot seven. Yeah. 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 And a very very good player. Yeah. Yeah. Plays for the Gooners uh, for their charity team, even because right. uh, it's for charity. But um, a real good player, someone centre half, unbelievable. Don't miss anything in the air. So if the club are listening to this, they've got a quote to do the work, yep. and they've got a tip off on a player to right. scout. And, and if they're not happy, about... they can put me behind the wall. Trump wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can be exiled to Mexico. <laughs> Maybe you can start coaching the goalkeepers yeah. as well. Yeah, why not? There we go. Yeah, there we there go. You go. Um, Continue with the building theme. Obviously, we've talked about the new stadium. Mm-hmm. The old one's slowly disappearing, but I, we were chatting just before. You're not particularly sentimental about it. You think it, it was time to move on? or? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. I try not to be overly sentimental about property. That's a different thing. No, yeah. I, I no, I would be very sad to. I wouldn't go down to watch West Ham being dismantled, Upton Park being dismantled. I wouldn't go down mm-hmm. there because that would be sad uh, for me. Um, no, no, I just think... What's happened now, Upton Park is history. It's in the past. It's never going to come back. We're not going to mm. get it. They're going to build houses and flats on there. So stop thinking about Upton Park. Be progressive. Um, I agree. Think about the new stadium and how we can improve that and how we can improve the experience and also um, how we can improve the, 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 the football team or make them, even if we don't improve them, make them play better. You know, yeah. that's what it is. Maybe tactics should be changed a little bit. Uh, I think uh, I wouldn't like to see Billich replaced. I think he's an excellent manager. I think he needs more time. Um, I don't know whether um, he's agreeable in bringing in more players. I think he does. I think he needs to maybe get rid of some of the uh, um, less quality players and build his squad with a few more uh, good quality players. Um, and try and get some homegrown players if we can. I mean, there must be some in the lower leagues. Look at Vardy and yeah. players like that, you know. Yeah. That's that's what we need to do. We need a bit of pace and all. That's yeah. that's we're one of the things. We, we, we're desperate for that. I mean, the big fella, bless him, you know, he runs around, but it's like it's like an old um, it's like an old steam loco compared to like you know one of these super duper double diesels, really. Uh, so we need someone with a bit of pace up there who's going to frighten yeah. them from coming forward. You know, somewhere to where we can release the ball. Carroll can flip it off, and uh, away they go and won't catch him for dust. That's what I like to see. So, and you mentioned there like players you like to see. So in in all your time going to see West Ham, who are, who are the ones that stick out for you as your favourite players? Well, the player, the, the one that got me uh, supporting West Ham was Bobby Moore. Yeah. Um, of course, we had Martin Peters and Jeff Hurst at the time. 
And as I say to all Arsenal fans, how many Arsenal players were even in the squad in our greatest hour, let alone in the team? So <laughs> we just quickly go over that one, you know, because <laughs> I can tell there was no Arsenal players in the squad whatsoever. And of course, we had the great three there who, you know, won the World Cup for us in our greatest moment of glory. Never since been repeated, you know, West Ham the Academy. And we still hold that. West Ham fans like to see football played, you know. We like to see a variation. It doesn't have to be always on the floor, you know. We like it on the floor. But sometimes, if we want to shorten the game up, well, we can. We just play it to Andy Carroll. He lays mm. it off. We cross it. He scores. Everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've always liked strong players. Not spiteful players, but strong players. Billy Bonds. I yeah. love Julian Dix because oh, you yeah. knew when they went out there even if they weren't 100% themselves they were going to give you 100% that's what they were going to give you they were going to play 100% and that's what you want I don't want players who turn up and then maybe I'm going to get involved this week maybe I'm not mm. Mm. I wouldn't have anyone playing for me like that at all anyone who wasn't committed 100% they'd be on the bench or out of the club it sounds like you might have liked Sam Allardyce yeah well I thought Sam was... He did what he was supposed to do. What he was asked to do, he did, OK? With limited funds and limited scope, he kept them, kept them up. Kept them up long enough for them, when they went to the new stadium, they were going to be in the Premier, Premiership rather than the First Division, or Championship, as they call mm. it. Um, so he did his job. Um, I wouldn't like to say uh, he would be my first choice. Um, I did meet Sam years ago... Um, and he seemed a decent enough bloke. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe over the years he's been in football, he became a bit too cynical and maybe lost a bit of his passion. Yeah. Um, it was just know. the relationship with the fans that killed him off, I think, yeah. mostly. Well, I, I or think lack of relationship. I think if I remember rightly, he was saying that West Ham shouldn't expect for football to be played every week there. Sometimes you have to play differently to win. No, you can't say that. You might have to do one or two things in the game differently, but we still want you. We still want West Ham mm. players to play football. That's mm. what we're there for. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I want to watch a long ball game all the time, then I'll go somewhere else. You know, I'll go down to the fourth division or over Leighton Orient. <laughs> Sorry, Leighton Orient. <laughs> um, favorite matches. Favorite. What's your favorite match? God, uh, no, that's an hard one. What uh, uh, to watch every season in anticipation. Um, well, I like to watch. Um, I always like to watch West Ham play Man United because yeah. uh, I mean, I was at uh, Upton Park one night when um, uh, Ferguson came down from um, Manchester, flew down and spoke at a dinner at Upton Park in the Lions Den, so to speak. And spoke spoken very highly because they've always had a bit of a relationship. A lot of West Ham players have gone to Man United mm -hmm. over the years. And he said, Alex Ferguson said that John Lyle was his greatest mentor and one of the best um, football men ever to have, ever to have lived. And uh, and it was an exceptional night. He flew down for that asked to pay his respects to John Lyle's family. It was a um, you know a special uh, evening, a mm. dinner, and all that. And he was excellent value. And he and he said his own words were that West West Ham don't get um, you know the the academy reference for for no reason and no matter whenever you're playing West Ham you never really know whether it's going to be like a walk in the park or mm. whether you're going to have a toughest game yeah. of the season on your hands he said and that's the beauty of it mm. he said yeah. um, you know that's that's why West Ham's exceptional was this mm. before or after we prevented them from winning the league I think this was after <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh right okay so, uh, yeah, no, because uh, he did. He did actually refer to yeah. that. He did refer to that that night. So yeah. I think, I mean, if you've got someone like uh, of his stature saying saying those things, I know it's nice to be nice. And if he'd said anything bad, he probably wouldn't have got out of Upton Park. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was nice uh, uh, of him to say, and it was genuinely felt. I think uh, yeah. um, because of his close relationship with John Lyle. Yeah, um, we should talk about the retirement of uh, a West Ham player. Bobby Zamora scored the winner in the playoff final yeah. of uh, 2005 I think it was I always liked Bobby Zamora Tommy were you a, were you a fan I like as a as a as a personality as a guy yeah as a player I think um I don't know why I think when he went to Fulham he, I think he performed far better at Fulham than he did when he was at um 
at West Ham. I'm right, he did go yeah, to Fulham. Yeah, he, did, yeah. he scored. And he always played well against us whenever he played. Yeah, yeah. but uh, well, he would always. He's uh, one of these players who's going to play, going to give you 100%. That's one of those players that gives you 100%. Yeah. But um, for some reason, I don't know why, he never really fulfilled his um, expectations at West Ham. He was mm. a good, honest player. He never scored enough goals, I thought, for, for the... Um, to fulfil the expectations I had of him. But when he went to Fulham, and I thought his career was sort of on, you know, really on, nearly, you know, on a way out. Mm. And uh, But he was like rejuvenated. He had a renaissance at, at, uh, at Fulham and he played really well and scored yeah. loads of goals. And it came right back into the record. He was a, a top, you know, a top forward, a top centre forward. And mm. it was very strange. But he's a very nice, very nice chap. Yeah. Um, Bianca, a couple of games for him for, that he played for us, like Ipswich uh, 2005 on that playoff yeah. run where Hayward teed him up and he lobbed the keeper and then mm. that playoff final where he got the winner. Some moments for well, West Ham. Yeah, though, th- but that's, that, that's the, the key word, moments. There mm. weren't enough of those moments though. But then again, he could pull out an absolute worldie, couldn't he? Yeah. Some of the goals he scored. At Arsenal, do you remember the one, that one where we stayed up and he smashed it in from like Yeah, he could yards? score some worldie goals and he could score some really really important goals the only problem with Bobby he just did not do that enough like like you said Tommy and, and that was that was the letdown really because I think you know if he'd have achieved his potential he could have been a, a, a top player for us yeah yeah he could have you know he could have gone into uh, like the, the great hall of fame for West Ham mm. you know I think he deserves a place in there but you know well, for getting us back into the Premier League, you know, yeah. you've yeah. always got to be grateful for that. Maybe not his own wing in the West Ham Hall of Fame. No, definitely a little picture. Yeah, exactly. well, he'd be on the he'd be on the shelf in there without a doubt. <laughs> you build him a nice little picture? Polaroid. I'll build him here. I can yeah. build him. I'll bring some of that wall over from Mexico, <laughs> and I'll, I'll keep a piece of that for him. <laughs> um, right, it's time for the feature that Bianca hates. It is relegation watch. Tommy, every week we discuss relegation and how likely it is to happen. How are you feeling about it at the moment? Are we going down? Um, well, from my heart, I would say uh, I hope not. From my head, I would say I don't think so. Um, I, I, I don't want to be complacent, though. You know, I think um, we, we've got some problems which we need to straighten out. But I think, um, f- funnily enough, we'll probably... The thing that will save us is we'll probably get enough points away from home, added to the ones that we do get home when we should get a lot more. We seem to be playing slightly better away from home than we are at home. Mm. Um, and I think that's a confidence thing. Um, you know, we're not given much hope when we go away. And then by doing that, we seem to be surprising people. But we're not winning the ones we're expected to win at home mm. to give us safe points. Crucial two games coming up. Burnley and Hull, isn't it? That's the, the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are two crucial games. Uh, I think we'll we'll beat Burnley, believe it or not, because they don't like to play away. Um, but Hull might be a different story. That's uh, that probably I think could end up a draw. Yeah. Mm. A relegation watch, firstly, Banker. How are you feeling? Um, better than I was. Yeah. I was actually contemplating the R word. <laughs> Um, wow. Before the Liverpool game, I was I was actually getting a little bit worried. But I, as I said, I spoke to Slav, and he he's confident that I mean he really does believe. He's not just saying it for the cameras. He really does believe. He knows the qualities in the squad, and it's just um, and that whole not getting the intensity thing on the training pitch. He did explain that to me, and he basically said, when you've got players coming in and out all the time because they're injured, you just can't get the rhythm going. In the training. consistency, you know. Exactly, in training, because you, you don't get your shape, you don't get a, a consistent formation, you can't work them. Well, we then when they the come back... Yeah. Well, you want a regular keeper, exactly. and then and it then spreads to the confidence. The when they do floor. come back to training, he's almost scared to push them too hard. Because they're going to get injured again. Exactly, so I think that's what he said he meant about that whole lack of intensity thing. So if we can just get a few players back and get more of a consistent team going, perhaps bring in one or two, not too many, because I think no. that sometimes upsets the. No, that's uh, no. You don't the, need to. The you spirit just of need the team, just, just yeah. Then I, yeah. I, I honestly think we'll be all right, and I think we'll. Well, we've we'd... been playing without a right back, haven't we, all season? Yeah, really? we haven't got exactly. Norvet is right certainly not right for that. Well, he's all right well. as a bench player. But why are they? Why is he playing instead of Arbeloa? Like, I don't think Arbeloa is. Quick enough. Really? No. 
But I'd, I'd go for that experience over... That's why I'm not a Premier League manager. Well, yeah, you've got to be careful there. You yeah. Because we're right on the left, Cresswell's quick. But uh, on the right, if we put Antonio at right back, he's quick, but he ain't a defender. You know, yeah, and you are... We, every time we've done that, which has been a problem, we're wide open... Uh, on that right hand side you know bless him or else he makes a clumsy tackle and we either lose a free kick or it's in the box and we lose a penalty Mm. and then it upsets the apple cart altogether he's brilliant going forward yeah you need him to be wide on the right as as he was playing him earlier let him come in Mm. Um, he's moving in Anfield was brilliant I thought Carroll if you're playing him and Carroll Carroll will pull the defenders with him to the front post or wherever he's going to go with the ball even wide open for him to come in from behind you know and, uh, Having Carroll back provides space for so many more players like Lanzini, like Payet, who, who's been man-marked a lot. Mm. He's still managing to create the chances. Well, they're putting two or three men on him every mm. time. And Lanzini, they're, they're running with him, tackling him, not letting him have the space. Mm. But, you see, West Ham, uh, the players, the other players there should be moving into space to make it easy for Lanzini. Mm. Give and go, you know, and that's how he should be able to do it. But I've seen elements of that. Uh, against Liverpool and I was pleased with some of that and Pyatt was more involved in the game yeah. than he was recently Yeah, but although I didn't like it when he pulled down Lalana in the box I was like oh no oh my God. it's going to all oh, go oh, horribly wrong was... please don't do that again Dimmy oh no okay. I literally we had won't my get head away with in my he's hand. not a great yeah. defender we won't get away with it next time bless him for, for getting back do you yeah. know what I mean maybe I think do he, that's, not his, no. that's not his role I know no, but people have been questioning his commitment though hadn't they that's right and I think he did show that he 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 will work hard. So, mm. but yeah. The million dollar question: Do you think he'll still be a West Ham player in February? I'm convinced. I, I, I don't think, think he's going to go anywhere. There's a one percent chance. I hope he doesn't. Unless there's an absolutely yeah. ridiculous yeah. Um, bid when yeah. we get like zillions. But um, I think if we beat Burnley, I think we'll beat Hull. Well, let's talk about predictions, Tommy. I mean, two of the biggest games of our season, Burnley and Hull, like you say. How do you think we're going to do? Are we going to win both, neither? I, th- I think we'll we'll beat Burnley and I think we may draw with Hull. Mm. Um, it's just that for us to stitch a, a few uh, winning games on the run, I don't know whether we're right in the, mentally for that yet. Mm. You know, that mm. We've got the confidence... Uh, to do that, to have the self-belief to be able to go out there and we haven't won back-to-back games this season, have we? Yeah, have we? Uh, league games, have we? We haven't. I can't. We've only won like three, haven't we? So. Yeah, and we've so. lost. We've lost the same amount of games this season so far that we did for the whole season last year. Yeah, I know. That's Crazy. the worrying thing. Yeah, you, know, you can't. That can't continue to happen. But I think he's put the brakes on it a little bit now. You know. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that. Um, you know, that Arsenal game, that loss to Arsenal was hopefully, um, you know... Kick uh, up the backside. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully... In the right way. The shock yeah. that's going to yeah, transform the team. The I think it hurt yeah. the players seeing everybody leave as well. Mm-hmm. It would do, yeah. Because uh, Arbeloa spoke about that. I read an article uh, with him, I think it was in The Guardian, and he spoke about that and he said it, it, it was so apparent... Um, and it, it really did sort of like shake the players up a little bit. Well, I've never everybody I've, just in unison, didn't they? Everyone stood up. I was one of them. I yeah. went, right, that's it. Let's go. I never <laughs> ever leave a game. And I don't. No, over. I don't tend but to. I, the last five minutes of this, I had to go because I couldn't stand any more of the barracking from the Arsenal fans. Because <laughs> where my my seat is, um, my son uh, got me um, a season ticket for the first time ever this year. I've had a season ticket because I've always played. Mm. So it was no point to me. I couldn't go because I played football mm. on Saturday afternoon. But he bought me a season ticket alongside him and a couple of his pals. So we go together. Mind you, use my credit card to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was the thought that's important. You know? yeah. But uh, I'm right up in the gods' eye. I'm, um, I'm, I'm about 50 yards away or 100 yards away from the Arsenal, from the um, uh, for, from away the fans. Away fans. Mm. And I'm up the top. I've got about six or seven rows behind me. Right. Not bad. And the view's all right? Yeah, it's okay. It's, well, it's better than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be um, severe. And actually, it's uh, it's not too bad up there, really. I mean, I could go somewhere else and get, I could ask them to, uh, to change my you seat. Wanna, you want to pull else. a few strings yeah. there, Tommy. Oh, of course I can, yeah. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, when I, I, I'm not a lover of the corporate stuff. When I go to football, yeah. I don't want to be at work. You know, going around making people laugh, telling stories. When I go to football, I like to be watching the game. Don't like to drink. I like to have a nice yeah. cup of tea or, or a 
cup of um, what's Bovril. that other stuff? Bovril, that's it. And <laughs> a hot dog. <laughs> and that's me. Go yeah. and have a beer after the game when we've got something to talk about. Not yeah. during yeah. the game or before the game. That's mm. not my cup of tea. And to be there with my son and uh, and a few of his pals, we do have a good laugh. And we normally go out as a lovely little Italian restaurant around the back of Acne Week that no one knows about. And what it's we all, do now. It's all proper uh, Italian stuff they bring over. So it's not uh, bought, shop bought here. And they do great Peroni. And it's freezing cold. It's lovely. And nobody knows about it. No, so really. Well, we I, normally I, go there after I, the I, game. Tell us what it's I'd called pre- afterwards. Yeah, I'd press you for the name. But we're sponsored by an Italian restaurant in Snaresbrook. So I think that... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll have to keep that one under wraps. <laughs> Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Us. Uh, are you on Twitter? I know you said you... Don't no, really get into that. I'm social. a build, a hammer and chisel, you see. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm about as far down the uh, ratings a techie could possibly get. I can actually do emails, you yeah. know, that sort of oh, stuff. Well, yeah. that's, well, that's something at least. We'll hold our breath and wait and, wait and see. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't really um, hold a great fascination for me. So right. um, if I need to do it, I'll get someone else to do it for me. All right. Well, maybe if you've listened to this and then you want to say thanks to Tommy, just have to find you in the street and say thanks for coming <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> that's the best we can do. Our next guest... Bianca is Edgar Magnuson. You remember oh, Edgar yeah. Magnuson? Yeah. yeah, yeah, the chairman. So he'll be on next. Exciting times. <laughs> Interesting little story. Yeah, man. yeah. So I did a, yeah, I did a series called, and I produced it called Tommy's Eco House, and we recycled a load of paving for this house out in Cambridgeshire. Uh, this place is so it's a long way from London, and we recycled the paving slabs that came off his luxury flat on his penthouse in Canary Wharf. In Canary Wharf, when he went, I had to go there and collect them, and we because re- it was part of the show was to recycle stuff and uh, and upcycle it. So we picked up all the slabs. My mate was doing some work up there, took all the slabs off his roof, and we reused them on the show. Mm. Yeah, oh, so wow. we've uh, done a bit of re- so you can tell us a little yeah. bit of story. Tell him his old paving slabs found a good new home. <laughs> Well, the guy who's doing the interviews, uh, our friend James Longman, and he said he worked on a TV show with you where you had to dress like a, flat, a flower pot man and hide in someone's flat. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so he's actually met you for any memories of that day? He said uh, yeah, it was great, an interesting yeah. little day. Good fun because um, it was a kids' programme and it was uh, we could play, we just had great fun doing it. <laughs> I did the pilot for it and it yeah. was on the back of the pilot that they got um, they got three series from it, yeah. Didn't you have to hide in, hide in some, a kid's house? It, it was called The Hider or something like that it was called I remember it was a long time ago get made about stuff th- like that now <laughs> I've made about a thousand programmes yeah. in the last 20 years I can't, can't remember half of them that <laughs> yeah that was really that was funny we had a great day with that oh amazing alright Tommy thank you very much well, hopefully thanks Tommy we'll be back after the Hull and Burnley games but in the meantime come, come on, on you Irons, Irons.